Time to host John Daigle. Joined today by a very good friend in life and a man I have forced to watch the Royal Rumble now two years in a row. None other than Drew Davenport himself. Drew, how's it going? Looking spiffy in the suit. Thank you. Thank you. Long day in court. I get out. I've been tagged in a video about uh, pending legal matters and trying to catch up, but happy to be here with you. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for the indoctrination into the wrestling world. The wrestling world is hot right now. We don't have to get into the specifics. You missed some other important storylines because I'm sure you didn't watch the Elimination Chamber in Montreal. Yeah. But just know it is really good and I'll have to force you to watch more events with me in the future. Also, you should know that last podcast I did with Paulson last week, this Alvin Kamara news broke initially. And we talked about it a little bit and overall where his ADP is at and what to do with it. But we both even mentioned we need Drew on the show because he's the one man in the industry who can actually clear these things up professionally. And that's where I want to begin. Because as we know, Alvin Kamara, a Clark County grand jury, has now indicted him and three accomplices on conspiracy to commit battery and battery resulting in substantial bodily harm with a court date set for March 2nd. I don't know if you were aware, I'm sure you saw it, but the video also leaked on Tuesday afternoon. This video that had been long teased, it's now out in the public eye. So let's start there because this case is obviously one that has trickled over from last offseason. I had you on the show last offseason to discuss it, actually, and we got through the entire 2022 season without it rearing its head. So now with the video evidence leaked, where do we go from here for Kamara and his fantasy value moving forward? Yeah, I that's a that's a loaded question. There's a lot Let's of... Let's hear it all. Yeah, all right. Um, 28 minutes later the caption says. So no, look, this is, this video is what I've been worried about the entire time in this case. Anybody who follows me knows that I've been saying, Hey, once this video pops, we have all bets are off with the league. And we saw a video like a few months ago that was like this crappy, almost like black and white, just really awful video. And I said, if this is what they have, then I feel much more confident that Kamara is going to have a great argument at trial that you can't tell anything from that video and that he really wasn't the person who was causing these serious injuries but i figured there's another video out there and of course there is now we've got it it looks like eight news now um, has been dropping uh video they dropped two videos and one i literally just saw um 10 minutes ago because like i said i've been in court since 8 30 this morning and they now have the video of the conversation that was had in the car after the incident. So we've got two videos here, and neither one of them look good for, for Alvin Kamara. Mm. What I had said last offseason is I didn't think it was going to happen during the season because this is just too complicated of a case. I still believe the same underlying fact, which is that it's so complicated, it's very difficult to settle this case. The state has a victim who was allegedly seriously injured. Uh, we've seen you know pictures and um, uh, you know, it's alleged that he's got this fractured orbital bone. And so serious injuries, it's really hard to make a deal when you've got four guys jumping on somebody. And then on the other side, these guys are charged with uh, the felony charge. It's a class B felony, which has mandatory two years prison time. So it's really hard for the defendants to plead to anything that has mandatory prison time. So you really have to come to the middle and it's hard to come to the middle on a case like this. And we're seeing why now with this video evidence. So 
I don't know that the videos themselves change a whole lot legally, but it, I think it does change a lot with his stance with the league. Now, the league has said, yeah, we've seen the video. We have no comment. And I'm wondering if they had the video before. That's really beside the point because we don't know that. That's unknowable. But the optics here are just awful because he's in the back of this car and it's from the limo company. So the police department did a great job. They go to the limo company. They subpoena this video. And it's them talking about the assault afterwards. Now, we didn't know a lot about this initially. We found out about this when they filed the civil suit in this case. Because the civil suit alleged that Camara had said a couple things. And I thought, well, how in the heck did they get a video of them talking about this incident? Well, now we know why. Because it was a limo company. And the limo company had everything videotaped. So they well, sounds like a boomer thing to say. They have everything recorded, not on videotape, but uh, mm -hmm. they have it. They have it all there. And, and Camara is admitting to assaulting the guy. So right out of the gate, you've got a problem. And, and I make a, an analogy to when I have a DUI case, uh, when somebody says to me, well, I just told the officer I had a couple. And I say, well, the first problem is one of the elements of the crime is that you had to be you, you know, drinking alcohol. Well, you just gave them one of the elements by admitting that you had something to drink. So Same thing in Camara's case. He just gave him one of the elements by saying he hit somebody. So given the essentially guilty admittance, uh, and given that the court case is coming up right around the corner, as I mentioned, on March 2nd, do you see it being like last year in playing out and being elongated for a little bit of time? Or do you think we're going to get some immediate news, a possible suspension? What is the aftermath that you were expecting? Well, I, I think the court case is still going to take some time. I don't believe that March 2nd date is a trial date. Okay. Although the, the the website wasn't updated as of Friday. And then, of course, it was a government holiday on Monday. So um, I have actually not checked the website yet. I'm sorry that I'm coming on here prepared. I, I will check that and let you know. But um, the reason I say that is I don't know what that uh, March 2nd court date is. I believe it's probably just a sort of pre-trial, basically for the parties to get together and say, are we setting this for a trial? Which I'm assuming it'll be set for a jury trial. And the one thing that we got recently when this when this case was indicted was an interesting piece of information from his defense team because we hadn't heard from them what they were planning on doing or how they were going to argue this case. Because, boy, oh, boy, it is hard to argue a case when you've got video like they've got. So uh, the defense team came out and, and issued a statement saying, uh, they avoided a contested preliminary hearing to indict the case directly, um, and that's not unusual to go direct uh, to the grand jury. Uh, that happens all the time in the county where I'm in. Um, but what they said was interesting. They said, we're going to vigorously defend this case because he was defending himself and others. So that's a um, provision within the law that you can use self-defense or defense of another as a defense for your actions. Now, the problem is self-defense requires you to only to neutralize the threat and then to stop. So you can't just beat the hell out of somebody and say, well, self-defense. So I don't know how they're going to square those two things. I look at that video and there are people who say that they can clearly see X number of punches. I can't see that, but I'm also not going frame by frame and, and breaking down the evidence like they would be on a defense team So or, or the prosecutor. So I think a long-winded answer to your question is, this really ratchets up the pressure on the NFL. And it's something that I said during the Deshaun Watson case. At a certain point, the pressure becomes too much and the league has to act. 
And what I've said since the beginning is I didn't think the league was going to act during the 2022 season because they'd already taken a neutral stance on criminal cases. Like, we're not going to do anything until the criminal case is, is, is taken care of. And so that's what, what's going on here. But in order for the league to come off of that stance, there has to be some stimulus that's going to force them to act. And what I've said all along is if the videos are ugly enough, maybe that's the stimulus that causes them to act. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but what I see happening here is a lot of people are throwing around the six games things. That's from the NFL personal conduct policy. So I know that's where they're getting that. Mm -hmm. But unless he's convicted of a felonious assault here, a felonious battery, then they don't have to stick with that six games. They can go less or they can go more. I really believe four to eight games is a sweet spot here. I I don't know if they're going to act unilaterally without this case being over, though. I don't know if the, the pressure from the videos is enough. I suspect the NFL might have already known what's on those videos or had seen them. That's just a wild guess. But my point being, I don't know if they're going to act just because these videos dropped. So we might have to wait for the jury trial or the settlement of the case. But when that happens, this looks so bad for him that I I think four games is the floor here. And mm. I could certainly see the NFL saying, uh, you, you know, you're going to sit out a year for this behavior. I don't think that's going to happen. Four to eight is where I'm at right now. Given that information you provided and the four to eight game guess, the outlook, the educated guess that you're giving, uh, Kamara, of course, right now, ADP RB24 overall, being drafted in the sixth round on underdog. Do you think that's a sell in that case, given that you're expecting it to come in over four game suspension? I do. I, I want nothing to do with him. Not only is he going to be on the wrong side of 27 going into this year, uh, and so a lot of people at this point in, in the year are asking for dynasty advice. So that's where I've sort of tailored my advice at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm no dynasty expert, but he's on the wrong side of 27 going into the year. He didn't have a particularly good year under this coaching staff with this quarterback situation. So that's fantasy stuff. But then add to it the fact that he's in the back of a limo bragging about clocking this dude. I mean, that's the that's the quote from him in the back of the limo is, I connected with that bleep, you know, that bleeper's jaw so hard or whatever. And that just looks so bad with the league. So what you're doing is you are drafting a guy and you're hoping that somehow he gets some misdemeanor reduction from the state. And then he gets like two games or four games so that you're hoping that pays off at, on the back end with a playing 13 games. But that's a lot to hope for. And, and the optics of this thing keep getting worse. It's like the Watson case. I kept saying it all along. As the optics, optics get worse and the pressure ratchets up, the league, it's no longer about like, oh, what should we do according to the personal conduct policy? It's just about what should we do so people aren't mad at us anymore. And I think we're getting to that point with this case that people are, are, are looking at this saying, whoa, uh, league, you got to do something. And I can't see them taking it easy on a, on a situation like this. And since the smoke of Derek Carr to the Jets is now essentially a bonfire, I'm guessing we also see a veteran bridge, maybe not even a league average one either, starting for the Saints in 2023. So that's something to keep in mind for Camara's plummeting dynasty stock as well. I don't want to end there, though, because there is one more thing. Since I have you on, I get you sure. on you know, every so often that I want to clear up, and that's because following the conference championship game, Joe Mixon was wanted for quote-unquote aggravated menacing 
in downtown Cincinnati. And what we saw was 24 hours later, the judge actually dropped and or dismissed that case, even though mm -hmm. from everything I've read, it's possible that the prosecutor's office could actually refile for a, a court case later on following further investigation. So we're now 20 days removed from the time that the judge dismissed this case. What is going on here? And is it something we should keep in mind for the future? Can it crop back up? Absolutely. And, and it's somebody, something that I say all the time about guys that have situations like Tyreek Hill had mm -hmm. or like uh, Joe Mixon had or um, even Deshaun Watson. If you have a guy who is not properly uh, internalizing what he's being charged with or what he's being accused of, and he doesn't go out of his way to either see a counselor or there are certain terms of art, we call them in my business, where you want to hear them say certain things. Like I was in counseling for this or I was in anger management or I was, you want to hear certain buzzwords. And if you don't hear those, they're at an elevated risk of, of reoffending or doing something similar. I think it's very possible that in the future we hear more about this. And I have, you know, something in my back pocket I'm not really allowed to talk about, but I do think that this is a pattern for, for Joe Mixon. And that's purely a guess. I don't want to be out there on a limb, um, but I think that we've heard about a couple incidents and since the incident that we know about that he's famous for from college, mm -hmm. I don't know that there's been any treatment, any counseling, any attempt by the player to get this is issue under control. And if that's the case, then things will happen. And I don't believe when this case got dismissed that we can just say, oh, it didn't happen. I think it would be really weird for a random person to just come out and say, Joe Mixon pointed a gun at me. That would be very odd. So I think something probably happened, but we don't know exactly what. And I think it's very possible that it ends up just like, hey, this was a he said, she said thing, and we can't go forward. But my educated guess here is this. They filed the charges, and somebody high up said, hey, wait a minute. Uh, we got to have this on lockdown because of who this is. You shouldn't have done that. And so they agreed to go ahead and dismiss the case. That is a dismissal, what they call without prejudice. And without prejudice means limitations. So within that time frame is two years. And so they've got two years to, to refile this case. If I had to put my money on what's going to happen with this case, though, I would say there's going to be either no statement issued or a brief statement issued in like a month, you know, buried right before the, you know, draft or something like that. Like, hey, we have found insufficient evidence to go forward say, I don't think this case is going to go forward on Joe Mixon. So I think that probably flies in the face a little bit about what I'm saying. I would be avoiding Joe Mixon as well, because I, if this is a pattern of the things, you know, that he does or a way that he's acted in the past and it's coming up again now, it, he absolutely could be at risk for it happening again in the future. And we don't know really what's going to happen with this case. I don't think it's going to be refiled. So I think for redraft purposes this upcoming season, he's probably going to be all right. It's probably a reasonable risk to take. But for dynasty purposes, I'd be all the way out. And in redraft, I'm trying to avoid it because I just don't I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have to think about it. And I think he's at an elevated risk over other uh, players in the similar, similar spot. 
the Bengals, of course, can save $7.5 million to allocate towards any pending Burrow or Higgins extensions by outright cutting Joe Mixon, who was out-touched and out-snapped by Samaji Pirine and the most important game of the year for them, the conference championship, by just cutting him this offseason. Drew Davenport. Tell everyone where they can find you. The The main thing that I have going on is, of course, I'm writing for football guys. Um, but you can listen to my show, The Auction Brief. And we may or may not be talking about Joe Mixon uh, on the next show, which uh, could be interesting for some people to, to tune into. So The Auction Brief podcast and um, um, Twitter, Drew Davenport FF. You can find me over there. And that's where I do all my legal threads if you want to be uh, up to date on what's going on with him and Dalvin Cook and any potential uh, other mixing issues that would pop up. One of the most important follows, in my opinion, especially this time of year. Drew, thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, John.